0: Welcome to episode two of Just Hit Play. I'm Peter, and with me is my co-host Nicholas.
1: Hello, hello everyone. Thank you for uh, joining us again on this the second episode. Uh, Nicholas, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We've had some lovely weather up in Canada the last uh, last little week or so. Feels like okay. summer's finally here, and um, yeah,
0: life's good. That sounds great. In our Brisbane studios, we, uh, our engineer is Darren. Darren, how you doing? Good. All right. So before we begin, I thought I would just sum up what this podcast is about in case this is someone's first episode they're listening to. This episode is an intergenerational sonic journey away from your siloed and stream music feed. Nicholas and I are sharing some of our favorite music that uh, one another has never heard before and introducing each other to some new music. That's the podcast. So Nick, tell me about your week. What, what's, what's happened since uh, we recorded last
1: well, um, you know, just been working away. Uh, I'm on that, that full-time job lifestyle now. Uh, very new to me, you know, commuting and everything. I never realized how much time commuting takes up in your day. Like, I always just kind of took it for granted seeing my parents do it. But, man, it sucks sitting in a car for an hour.
0: It's, it's a very adult thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, like, now I'm, you know, an adult listening to podcasts on my way to work and, like, complaining about traffic. And, oh, I hate it. <laughs>
0: I have a funny memory of you. When you were three years old, I was visiting your grandmother, my mother, and mm-hmm. I was on my way to work and, you, and she, was, she was babysitting you. And I said to you, Nick, I'm off to work. Did you want to come with me? And you looked at me all seriously and you thought about it for a few seconds. And then you replied with, I'm too busy. <laughs> How old? You said I was three? You were three. Oh, so. man.
1: I wonder, I wonder what three-year-old Nick was so preoccupied with.
0: Wow. Yeah, you seem very busy. So I um, I was like, all oh, right, that's that's fair. You're busy. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, but but I think my favorite memory about that is that you thought about it for for a second or two. It's like, is this something I want to do? And you're like, no, I don't want to do that.
1: Believe me, but, you know, I
0: still feel the same way about going to work. So some things never yeah. change. No, that's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah. All right. Are we uh, ready to get into some music? Oh, I'm ready if you are. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Our our first song is one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, It's a song by the Beastie Boys called Hey Ladies. And before we talk about the song, Darren, can you give us 15 seconds of Hey Ladies? Alright, Hey Ladies by the Beastie Boys. And the Beastie Boys are obviously MCA, Ad Rock, and Mike D. So Nick, what did you think of Hey Ladies? Well, I mean my first
1: impression, and I'm sure the audience could immediately pick up on it too, was like just you're you're just assaulted by groove and funk right away. Like it's just like my head just immediately starts nodding every time. So yeah, like right away, just like I I was enamored by it just the beat, the instrumental, everything. And then, yeah, like when, once they start getting into like the actual rapping part of it, it like it, I really, like I, I only know one song by the Beastie Boys, uh, Brass Monkey. So I'm not too familiar with them, but the group dynamic they have is awesome. Like to me, it, it sounds like they're just passing around a mic at a barbecue or like a party and just going nuts on it. Good first impression.
0: Let me give you a bit of history about, about the Beastie Boys. Uh, I first heard the Beastie Boys I believe it was 1986 when, what you mentioned is correct, like when Brass Monkey, A Fight for Your Right to Party came out. And I remember I would have been 12 or 11 when that when that album came out. And I remember not liking it, thinking this is just ridiculous. They're just a silly, fad, rap, yeah. r- rap rock sort of thing. And it was just really silly. Uh, then in 1989, Hey Ladies came out and you you've heard brass monkey as you said the difference between brass monkey and this song is enormous i did not expect the beastie boys to in 1989 when this song came out to release this kind of music i thought after you know after all that stuff that happened in 1986 that they were sort of done i i was i remember not expecting hey ladies to be a song that i would actually like i never thought i would like a beastie boys song yeah it's, and then sorry go ahead uh, well they became one of my favorite bands. The difference between the sound between that uh, first album and this one is enormous. Uh, now, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was all the samples on that song. I'm assuming you heard quite a lot of samples.
1: Yeah. Like I, I kind of picked up on that right away. Um, like just the the guitar, there's synthesizers, cowbells and like everything. And it's just, it's just like a, a huge collage of just different pieces and little like snippets of songs that they all just compiled together and like honestly it was overwhelming at first but like once once everything kind of clicks into the groove it's just like everything's got its own place and it's honestly some artful sampling
0: this was the first hit single by a rap band that had this amount of samples on it after this song came out samples sort of became very mainstream uh if this song was released today i think it would cost about a billion dollars to make because because of all the samples oh, that, that were on this on the song. I'm going to give you a list of the samples that they've had on the song. Okay, perfect, all right. perfect. You have Ballroom Blitz by Sweet. Party Time by Curtis Blow. Holy Ghost by The Bar Kays. Shake Your Pants and I Just Want to Be by Cameo. The P-Funk All-Stars with Pump It Up. Jungle Boogie by Kool and the Gang. Machine Gun by The Commodores. Jazzy Sensation by Africa uh, Bambata, Change La Beat by Fab5Freddy. Count Me Your Love by Jeanette. So Rough and Tough by Zap and Roger. Ain't It Funky Now by James Brown. Hey DJ Malcolm McLaren. High Power Rap by The Cash Crew. And finally Hush by Deep Purple. So that's a lot of samples on one song.
1: That's an enormous amount of samples. Like whatever they were uh, paying their producer or not even the producer but just the engineer in the studio was not enough. Like I just think about the amount of like tracks they had on this recording. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, One of the
0: beastie boys charm, especially early on was they would, they were like vinyl nerds. So they would hit a lot of used record stores and get as many weird vinyls as they could on the cheap just to be able to sample the music. So that's the, that's one of the beastie boys charm.
1: Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Like since I started like, you know, getting my toes wet into hip hop and that whole scene, Uh, I've always been like really drawn to artists that use um, production with a lot of samples incorporated into it. Cause I think, I think being able to flip a sample and like, you know, record a beat over it is one of the most artful things that you can do as a producer. You know, like when you're adjusting the tempo and making sure the BPM aligns and pitch correcting different samples, it's like, that's a highly technical skill. It really is a skill. And I, I hate when, Other members of your generation, not saying yourself, but there are some people who say that, you know, making rap music is so easy, like it's all just done on a computer, you know, it's, it's not artful, it's not skillful. That's really just not the case at all, in my opinion. Uh,
0: Being around, obviously, you know, being a white kid from Canada, I wasn't the, uh, the intended audience for rap music. Uh, But I remember listening to Public Enemy Uh, NWA. I I remember when that all sort of came out and and not really understanding because it it definitely wasn't music that was being made for me. Uh, But I think, and we'll get into this with your song as well. I think the big difference between rap in the 80s and 90s compared to now, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of rage. Mm. (laughs) The 80s and 90s, there was a lot of, not, not so much the Beastie Boys because they, they didn't really have a lot of angry songs. But there's, there, I just, yeah, there's no rage compared to the 80s and the 90s. Do you want to comment on that? Um,
1: yeah, I, I would agree uh, with you in a sense. Like, uh, you know, mainstream rap and hip hop has gone towards a very melodic um, sound that like is made to really just be pleasing to the ears, right? Like, like all pop music, I mean, rap has become hip hop in general has become, like, the most popular genre. Like, that's what pop music is nowadays. And so, like, any genre, when it goes for that kind of mainstream success, they're just making music that, like, is really catchy, easy on the ears, appeals to, like, a wide range of people, and rage, and all, everything that comes along with that. It, it really doesn't fit into that lane. But I would say, like, you know, there's a lot of, of artists kind of bubbling under the mainstream that do still carry on the torch of, of that, that spirit. A couple that I might show
0: you, too. Never no, know. No, that's great. I w- I'd love to hear it. Another weird fact about the Beastie Boys is uh, they once opened up for Madonna. No way. Before, you know, Fight for Your Right to Party, they opened up uh, for Madonna in concert and were booed off stage.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, I'm
0: not surprised. That's like, <laughs> what was
1: Madonna thinking? That's not the, the target audience at all for the Beastie Boys.
0: No, I think Madonna was... Um, she was a a vanguard in a lot of a lot of ways. She she tried to break a lot of new artists, and one of the new artists that she tried to break was the, was the Beastie Boys. Uh, strangely, and this is this has nothing to do with the Beastie Boys. Uh, Jimmy Hendrix once opened up for the Monkees and was also booed off stage uh, at a monkey show. So there what? You
1: go. Ever, anyone who booed Jimmy Hendrix off stage back then, whoever was at that show deserves jail time for that. Like that's that's yeah, not the
0: same audience, I guess, for uh, the Monkees and and Jimi hendrix
1: you know speaking of weird openers do you remember a few years ago when you came to canada and we we saw portugal the man live yep remember that do you you remember the the
0: rapper who opened up for them do you have to remember i sure do yes
1: yeah so funny enough he like that guy jack harlow he is huge right now like he was not at all mainstream like i i had no idea who this guy was a few years ago and he has a couple number one songs right now like he's absolutely massive. Get out, okay? Yeah, I was. I would not have expected that. I know. I mean, like again, Portugal the Man, very classic, traditional rock, and they had Jack Harlow, who is this you know white rapper, coming up on stage, and I don't think a single person in the crowd was <laughs> feeling him at all. Like it was such a weird opener.
0: It definitely was not his crowd. Like I, I remember him being quite energetic, and you know his 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 rhyming was you know colorful and, and catchy, but. I don't remember thinking this guy was going to be a big star or, or have number one songs as you just said.
1: Well, yeah. Like when I saw when I first heard his song, what's poppin', that's like his, his big one. When I heard that come on and I saw like Jack Harlow, are you kidding me? Like the, that guy that I saw almost get booed off stage a few years ago. It was right. just nuts. I couldn't believe
0: it. Yeah. I wasn't expecting you to tell me that. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the beastie boys probably, I think four times live. Wow. Uh, and what a band to see live. Uh, it's They were just a really great live band to see. I can only imagine. Uh, yeah. Sadly, MCA, Adam Yock, died in 2012 from cancer. Oh, that's terrible. So the Beastie Boys are a now defunct band, and their last album was 2011. Uh, he died in 2012. There are some really good documentaries out there. That I think there might be one on Netflix that that talks about the early days of the of the Beastie Boys. Uh, if you haven't never heard of the Beastie Boys, I would say there's two albums that you should always check out. One is, the first album is called Check Your Head, which was released in 1992. And Ill Communication, probably their masterpiece, which was released in 1994, are the two albums that I would check out from the Beastie Boys. Uh, from Paul's Boutique, which, is, which this song comes from, Hey Ladies comes from, till 1994, they were just at the top of their game. And uh, yeah, just amazing, amazing songs. Yeah, I'm
1: definitely going to have to check out a full album from them because I've been like peripherally aware of the BC Boys. You know, I've known that you know they're legends and you know they did a lot for the the hip hop scene in its early days. But you know, I've never really given a whole album by them the time of day. But the song "Hey Ladies" it's it's convinced me. It's won me over. So thank you for that.
0: No worries. Now I got a question. One more question for you, Nick. And I meant to ask you this last episode, and this is the this is what I'm going to ask you after each song. Will this song now be part of your playlist? Yes, it will. (laughs) Uh, Darren, in our control center, what did you think? Yeah, it's good. I like it. All right. Wise words from Darren. All right, Nick. Nick, you're up. What's your song?
1: All right. So my song is uh, called Reborn by Kitsy Ghosts. Now, Kitsy Ghosts is the name for a collaboration between none other than Kanye West and Kid Cudi. Um, so I, I know you're familiar with
0: Kanye West, but have you ever heard of Kid Cudi before? I've heard of Kid Cudi. Uh, I'd never, as far as I know, I've never heard any of his music.
1: Okay. Um, so just to set the stage for this song, because I think it really lends to the understanding of its themes just by talking a bit about how it came about. So a few years ago, uh, Kid Cudi, uh, and Kanye, they both very publicly struggled with mental health challenges and issues, um, around the same time. and they were both hospitalized uh, for their various issues and had, you know, very public falling outs. Um, I remember at one of Kanye's concerts, in the midst of uh, his his bipolar crisis, he actually got on stage and started dissing, like Kid Cudi, um, to thousands of people. And this was, you know, huge because they kind of uh, came up in the scene together. They've been collaborators since, you know, very early days, and you know, it's like watching two best friends just cut each other off. Um, and then you know fast forward a couple years they mend their relationship put out a collab album and it features this song on it which carries the themes of rebirth battling your demons healing Um, and as you hear in the song a lot just moving forward keep moving forward no matter what life happens to throw your way so Peter what would you think of this
0: song well let's get uh, Darren to play 15 seconds of it first so the audience can, can hear it go for it Darren My impressions of this song. I'm going to admit to you, first off, that it took me a while to get into this song.
1: Okay.
0: I don't know why I felt so cold as I did. I don't know if it was the slight auto-tune on his voice that threw me off. But I, I, listened to. I must have listened to the song twenty times, trying to understand, wow. trying to understand what was going on. And I realized something about myself: how I absorb music. Not that I have to listen to a song twenty times to to like it, but I think I was searching for how to listen to that song in the right way. And I'll explain to you what I mean. I don't know if you remember the last episode. I, when you introduced me to the song, I was like, "Oh, this would be a really good driving song." Or this would be a song that I'd be good to listen to in bed with headphones. Mm-hmm. I think for that song I didn't know how to listen to it. I tried listening to it in the car and I didn't get it. I tried listening to it at home by myself and I just wasn't connecting with it. Strangely enough, I was I was in the city, so I was in Brisbane, uh, downtown Brisbane, mm-hmm. about to have lunch, and I'm walking to go eat lunch, and the song I had it on my playlist on shuffle, and the song came on. And I just sort of stood off to the side and, and watched all these people walk past me with the sort of the vacancy in, in their look as they're, you know, working or going to lunch, whatever. And that's when I sort of understood the song. I had to be in the middle of thousands of people, but be apart from people. And then I sort of knew how to listen to that song, if that makes any sense to you whatsoever.
1: No, it makes perfect sense to me. And, you know, I got to say, I respect the hell out of your dedication to listen to the song 20 times to try to figure out what you were missing. And
0: uh, I'm glad it clicked for you. What what were you thinking? It only clicked on that part. I think I I learned that for me to like a song, I have to be in a position where I figure out where the song is coming from, whether I'm driving in my car, or I'm, you know, editing photographs, because I'm a photographer, I edit photographs and listen to music a lot. Mm. Or, you know, I'm going for a run, like, certain songs resonate with me for different reasons. And I couldn't find where that song fit in, fit in my world. And it, it finally fit in my world when I was stood against a wall watching thousands of people walk past me like I didn't exist. And I just sort of let that song sort of wash over me. And that's when I started to appreciate that song. Wow.
1: Well, I, I'm very happy that you did begin to appreciate it because um, to me, myself personally, it like this, this track means quite a bit to me. The, the the themes about pushing forward, overcoming hardship, resilience. I mean, it, it's not a, a particularly lyrically complex song, but just the, the mix of the production and um, the hums that Kid Cudi has in the background, mixed with, you know, the these keys and these drums. It's just what this song feels like to me is just a wave of light, coming through and breaking through like dark clouds and just washing over you with sunlight and you just feel that heat and everything feels good again that's what this song feels like
0: listening to kanye rap uh, you could definitely hear his uh, emotional battles or his mental health battles coming through I, I think i think he comments a lot about overcoming his obstacles in life uh you know being off his medication i think he did reference in in one of the raps so
1: he did his entire verse kind of touches on that you know feeling um like he's kind of an outcast sense that people are like making jokes at his expense or not inviting him to things because they're worried about his you know behavior and yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that.
0: Yeah it, was, it, it, yeah, it was so strange. I didn't like it at all, and I was sort of trying to figure out how I was sort of going to bring this up in the podcast. But <laughs> I, kept, I kept on it, uh, and, and I really wanted to see how, how to connect to it. Uh and I just couldn't figure out how to connect to it until until I sort of just happened upon it. And I think for me, this song, I need to be uh in the city surrounded by lots of people, and just let it sort of wash over me. Now I have a funny uh tidbit sure. about Kanye West. Do you know who Danny McBride is? Yes, the comedian, actor. Did you hear that according to Danny McBride? Now I watched the interview and Danny McBride said this in the interview, that he had a meeting with Kanye, spent an entire weekend, I believe, with Kanye, because yeah. Kanye wanted Danny McBride to play him in a documentary, like a biopic. Ah, uh, man. I, <laughs> that that's,
1: that's certainly
0: an inspired casting choice. That's an inspired... <laughs> and Danny McBride goes, he didn't see it right away, but he was so enthralled by the possibility of that, <laughs> that he had to have a meeting with Kanye, and they discussed Danny McBride playing Kanye in a biopic.
1: I mean, like, I want to see that, but I also don't want to see it. You know what I mean? Like, um, I have the, it is an odd choice. I, I just have like a morbid curiosity where I got it. I got to see this, but I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Have you heard the, the story of uh, one time Seth Rogen and Kanye were like sharing a car? I, I can't remember what circumstances where they're going, but
0: have, have you heard the story? No, I haven't, but I'm assuming it, w- it
1: was hard to see each other. Well, <laughs> probably. Um, so yeah, they, they were in the car and I think, I think it was Kanye's car. Seth Rogen was there for a ride or something. um, and so Kanye says, Hey, I've been working on this album. Like I've got some new material. Do you want to hear it? And Seth Rogen says, Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Like, you know, show me some. And so Kanye turns off the music, like turns the stereo off, turns to Seth Rogen and proceeds to rap his entire album, like hour long to him, like two feet away, face to face, purely acapella, just rapped at him for an entire hour.
0: What did, what was Seth Rogen's reaction? Did he say he said it was genius. So (laughs) there's a, there's a funny clip. uh, I can't remember who the comedian was, but he was talking about, the comedian used to be on Saturday Night Live and he wrote a sketch for Kanye West where there was an award show and Kanye West just started interrupting winners before, as they won the award show. Mm -hmm. Two years before he did that to Taylor Swift. Oh my God. I mean, it's, it's one of those
1: things where like, can you really say you're surprised to see that? Like to see that headline coming out? Like, no. I don't know. It, it's any, anytime there's a headline like that about Kanye, it's usually something outrageous, right? Um, and I, I just kind of shake my head. I'm like, of course, of course, Kanye is is doing this crazy stuff again. It's just who he is. Um, and that actually brings me perfectly to one point I wanted to touch on and get your your opinion on. So I've been curious and I've thought about this a lot as a, as a huge Kanye fan. And I'm curious to get your opinion. Do you think that the way Kanye is portrayed by the media, like the, the persona behind Kanye West, him as a person, do you think that that gives people preconceptions as to what his music may be like, or like kind of distorts people's perspectives as of him as an artist?
0: Yeah, I think because of what Kanye is, his mental health issues, what he's done in public, I think it becomes really easy for people to dismiss him. This begs the big question, can you separate the art from the man? Yeah. we can. Let's look at Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, probably a child molester. Can <laughs> you separate the music, which is some of his songs I really, really love, from the man who I hate? Yeah, it's can, a really tough can, question. It, it is such a tough question. Like I'd like to think that I can separate the art from the man, but I have not listened to a Michael Jackson song in years.
1: Yeah. There you go. It's tough. Cause it's one of those things. It where it's is in the back so of your tough. head. It's yeah. in the back of your head as you're playing. And yeah. you know, it's you, you put that on and you're sitting there, you're vibing to the song, but then at the same time, somewhere along, like, I don't, Maybe not for everyone, but for me at least, somewhere in the runtime of that song, I'll be like, "Man, but did he molest those kids? Like, that's that's a terrible thing." I
0: think it, I think his mental health issues make it easy for people to dismiss him as a kook, uh, you know, as crazy. When we all suffer, like we all have our, our you know ability or inability to to cope with things, uh, you know, whether it's chemical, you know, whether he is, um, oh, what does he have? He's got um, bipolar disorder. I wouldn't that must be such a difficult life to be as famous as he is to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming he's probably medicated himself illegally and legally trying to sure. co- just trying to cope with that. Uh, and being in the whole Kardashian clan, that had to be just that's like, a media circus, you know, just screwing around and screwing around his head.
1: like, like there's That's a spotlight yeah. on you 24 seven, right? Like no matter, I yeah. mean, he, he's got paparazzi at his door, at his garage at 3 a.m., you know he he can't take his kids anywhere, and I mean so many celebrities struggle with this. But when you're already in a vulnerable, compromised position due to whatever your mental illnesses may be, I mean I can only imagine that that's a compounding effect on on somebody. Absolutely.
0: So yeah, I think I think it's really easy for people to dismiss him. I would agree. Which happens, I think I think a lot of times we build people up, and then we try to eat you know eat them or destroy them and bring them down again. Um, so let's. see. I'm really curious to see where Kanye goes from here. Obviously, he's had a rough couple of years. He sure has. He sure has. And I'd love to see him make a comeback, a
1: reemergence. Because
0: yeah,
1: I mean, when I was first seriously getting into music, you know, venturing out from top forty and, and what was on the charts, Kanye was the first artist that I really latched onto, and you know, saw as my favorite artist and. You was know, writing essays on him in high school and and things like that and you know my I I wouldn't say I'm as big a fan now as I was then but I he will always have a special place in my heart and uh, don't be surprised if there's more songs from him appearing on this podcast um, and I just want to leave off our segment on Kanye with a quote from him from one of his songs he said uh name one genius that ain't crazy do you agree with the sentiment behind that line
0: I think you have to I I think people who are that creative just deal with things on a, on a different level. Um, I believe it was David Bowie who said that an artist's job is to paint the times, not to define it or, you know, help people understand what's happening, but they're just, their job is just to sort of paint what's happening. Uh, I agree. I I think, you know, if, if you try to live on a, on the creative edge, which a lot of these artists do, I I think it's really easy to slip into madness or obscurity. It doesn't take much to, to, to fall off that edge. I completely
1: agree. I completely agree.
0: Darren, what did you think? Nah, not for me. All right. Wise words from Darren. Thank you, Darren. Okay, so that's the end of episode number two. If someone wants to send us an email, what's our email address?
1: Sure, so our email address, it's just hit play 7300 at gmail.com.
0: And if you want to go to our Facebook Page just search in Facebook for just hit play podcast and what's our Instagram page?
1: Uh, again, our Instagram page is just hit play podcast at just hit play podcast.
0: Fantastic, and thank you to uh, uh, Braden for our opening theme song. uh Braden, if you want to know more about Braden, we have you know his information in our show notes. And as always, we like to finish each episode with a song by a band that, you know, is up and coming. And this one is by a Brisbane band that I've had the pleasure to photograph. Really, really great guys. Uh, funny guys. I really love their music. Uh, the band's called Passion Cactus with a song called Show Me God. Uh, thanks, everyone. We'll catch you on our next episode. Yeah, thank you.
1: See you guys.